Hey y'all, welcome to another edition of the SB Nation College Ball Recruiting Podcast. I'm your host, uh, Bud Elliott, and joining me as always is Morgan Moriarty. Morgan, what's going on tonight? Doing well. How about you? Weird recording this. Doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. um, Just, uh, you know, one week before Thanksgiving, so excited about that and a lot of college ball recruiting going on. Yeah, this was um, this was a big weekend coming off of really really big games. Notably, um, Auburn destroying Georgia, which I don't think any of us saw coming. And um, on similar note, Miami um, beating down Notre Dame. Um, Auburn had Christian Tut, Justin Ross, Trey Hill, Jamie Sherwood, um, a lot of other guys on campus. Uh, Miami hosted Jaron Williams, Patrick Sertain Jr. I can't think of like better games, game outcomes for them to be on campus for, like when you're hosting these type of talented kids. I mean, outcomes and atmospheres. Right. They really just, like the Auburn looked great on TV. Miami looked incredible mm-hmm. on TV. Um, I, you're right. I didn't, I didn't see Auburn killing Georgia. Like I thought, okay, Auburn has a really good shot to win. Yeah. But I figured it'd be like a 20 to 17 type win just because mm-hmm. you know, nobody's really made Jake Fromm have to throw. Uh, but they they blitzed him. And similarly, you know, Miami, you got to give them credit here. For about the first 10 weeks of the year, judging by Bill Conley's numbers and also watching them, they had just been nothing but lucky. But yeah. now they're actually lucky and good, or at least mm-hmm. based on the last two weeks. And it is important to note that you can go from being lucky to being lucky and good. And I, they've played very well the last two weeks, and, and we got to see if they can keep that up. But you know, their main their main weakness this year had been giving up long runs, and right. Notre Dame didn't get a damn thing. That I mean, and that was like the biggest matchup coming in was Miami's defensive line going up, going up against Notre Dame's, which looked so good all year, and they just destroyed them. It was, and of course, you know, Brandon or. Wimbush was exposed, then they put in their backup. It was just not not good at all. So I, I don't think either of us saw both of those games going as they did. No, I, I definitely didn't. Um, that, that, those are big visits, certainly big visits for, for Auburn and for Miami. Mm-hmm. Christian Tut ended up committing uh, to Auburn a, a, after this weekend. I think most people saw that coming. Justin Ross, you know, who's a really good receiver out, out of uh, – I think he's out of Phoenix City, which is very close uh, to to where the Tigers play. Most people think Clemson for him, but hey, you keep getting him on campus, things can happen. And Trey Hill, who's one of the most awesome guards to watch in the nation, um, a lot of people think that's a Georgia-Clemson battle, but he keeps turning up at Auburn. So Tigers are having a good year. This is this is interesting to watch. Um, they, they may be able to pull some upsets down the stretch. And with that Miami, Iron Bowl, that Iron Bowl looks really, really intriguing. Now I don't does. think I, I definitely like wasn't saying that before this past week. No, I Morgan, I might take Auburn in that. Like with how banged up Alabama is, I, yeah, I'm certainly kicking myself now for not betting because that line on the <laughs> futures line segment was like plus twelve. And I was like, oh, I would gladly take the Tigers in twelve at home, but now I think it's down to like like under a touchdown, so a little bit less uh, enticing there. Um, Jaron Williams, quarterback who recently decommitted from Kentucky, does end up making the visit to Miami. I uh, heard he absolutely loved it. And, and Pat Sertan Jr., a guy who most people don't think Miami has a great shot at. Look, if you're going to gonna make a run for the kid, that's the game to see him at. Now, most people think he'll go to LSU because his family's from Louisiana and certainly Alabama's in the mix there too. Mm-hmm. But 
that's hey Miami they're swinging big maybe they can land some haymakers down the stretch for a class that's already elite yeah and that's I mean we've talked about Mark Rick's recruiting South Florida and the state of Florida really well at Miami but you've got to get some of those out-of-state guys especially who are in a place like Louisiana um, to to like go that extra mile with this next recruiting class so this is the Espionation College Ball Recruiting Podcast, and uh, we do this every week. We talk college ball recruiting, but also college football from a recruiting perspective because a lot of times there's not enough like full recruiting news to fill an hour, and we want to keep it fresh. So we're going to talk a little bit today about the SEC East. <sighs> oh, SEC East, you are interesting. Um, two open jobs now in the SEC because our favorite hot seat coach, Butch Jones, finally Got the uh, got the axe after Tennessee about 440 yards rushing to Missouri. Ugh. That's uh, <laughs> that's a lot of rushing. I, I think I think Ed Witter is still running there for the Tigers. <laughs> they they finally let Butch Jones go, and immediately what happens? And I love this. And from a perspective of people that make their money off website clicks, we absolutely love this. John Gruden 24/7. This is awesome. Groomers, they're in full swing. I I just. I love it. Like John Gruden's not denying reports, <laughs> and uh, you, know, you got some people saying that that there's no chance John Gruden becomes Tennessee's mm-hmm. coach. And you have other people in Tennessee media reporting that Gruden is already asking around, trying to fill his staff. My favorite part about this whole thing, uh, which came out this morning on Thursday, was he went on. Um, I think it's Brock Heward's like ESPN radio show in Seattle, and completely unprompted brought up. Knoxville and the Rocky Top song. So like I feel like this is either like it's either one of two things. Gruden's actually interested, which I wouldn't be surprised. He's been out of coaching for a while. Tennessee's not a bad job to accept if you want to go back into the college coaching, or he's just like massively trolling Tennessee and has no intention of taking the job. I really hope he's trolling them. That would be <laughs> so fun. And I also- did see on Monday night he waved to like some Tennessee fan that was yelling at him. <laughs> I mean, but if you're John Gruden, you want a Super Bowl. Don't you think you would rather take right. an NFL job? Like, l- listen to any college coach out there and what he complains about. NFL coaches make mm-hmm. fun of college coaches for what they have to do because they don't want to worry about, oh, no, I ha- you know, this kid decided to decommit in the middle of June when I'm yeah. you know, hanging out with my family. Like, no, <laughs> there's minicamp, and then when minicamp's over, right. you're done. You go yeah. home. Uh, college coaches work a ton more hours for less pay than NFL coaches do. And Gruden, to me, is interesting because I do think there's a decent chance that uh, um, that that he could do well there. And we can talk about that in a second. But, A, he's not coached in college football since 1991. He was at Pitt. <laughs> I think the receivers were tight ends coach, which yep. that's a long time ago. B, Gruden is notorious for not working well with young players. If you recall back with the Bucks, he didn't like the young quarterback options and he wanted you know they had Brad Johnson and then he went with Rich Gannon with the Bucks. Like two he likes quarterbacks that are like 40 years old. <laughs> uh number 3, he's notorious for having extremely long practices, which is one thing in college that you don't get to yeah. do because it's limited by the NCAA. You get 20 hours a week. Yeah. I, I mean I think most people maybe outside of like Tennessee fans that want to see this happening think that it's a really big long shot. But I think the other side of this is 
you have to wonder, you know, maybe Gruden is missing coaching so much, which obviously he is, you know, that he just thinks he can take this Tennessee job, do something great, and then get an NFL job. Maybe, but I think he could get an NFL job right now. There's just not enough good NFL coaches out there. And if John Gruden comes out of retirement, I, I think they would take him. However, but with all, yeah, I'm sorry, and I, I'm just saying, like, with all these past openings, like, he hasn't been hired to one. I mean, he's been out of the NFL coaching game a long time. So, you know, and I'm just like putting myself in his shoes and playing devil's advocate and, and putting myself in him, his mindset to maybe say, okay, if the NFL doesn't want me right now, maybe they'll see what I can do at the collegiate level and I can go from there. Ah, so, but, okay. so, so you're kind of under the assumption that maybe he's actually wanted some of these NFL jobs and hasn't been yeah, picked for him. Right. I, if that's true, then I think your theory makes a lot of sense. The issue is I don't know if that's necessarily the case. Like he has the best job in the entire world. John Gruden works like six months a year, three days a week, and makes what seven and a half million dollars. Yeah, that's incredible. Look, that his hourly rate is in close to the hundred thousands. I don't know if you watched any of the hard knocks this season. It was with the Bucks, uh, but this was like one of the funniest moments of it all season, in my opinion. So this was like the beginning of the season and they had uh, like a statue unveiling of him holding that Lombardi trophy, the famous picture of him like running across the field. So they show him just like hanging around practice on this day. And he like ends up hollering into like the quarterback meeting room and is like, Hey, if you, if you ever need anything, like I'm around. And he was just like hanging out and watching practice and Dirk Cutter said like, after he was gone, he was like, you think that guy misses coaching? And like everyone in the room laughed. So I just feel like he might, yes, he has the best job in the world, but he might just be kind of bored and wanting to get back into coaching. That's fair. I, I, I think that's, that's quite fair. Um, I think he would be a good recruiter now be, because he, he's a workaholic and everybody says he is. And, and those, those are the kind of guys, you know, like an urban Meyer, like a Nick Saban, like a Jimbo Fisher. Like they, mm-hmm. they, they work like crazy at recruiting. They, they live it and they breathe it. I mean, you have the famous stories about Urban Meyer. You know, he knew he had a problem when he was texting players in church. Um, <laughs> you know, that, that's that to me is how John Gruden works. Now, does, does he know how to connect with kids? Maybe, maybe not. But I think he would have a staff that would do it. I, like, I think he gets that enough. And he's certainly right. been, you know, he's worked with the college kids coming out. He's, he's he stayed young. I actually think he would do a little bit better than the people who are like, you know, don't you don't want an NFL guy. A little bit better than they think. Um, yeah, I'd it's agree still with a gamble. that. Right, and and one of the things I'm writing um, later this week, um, just kind of touching on like how many things have changed, not only like in general, but within the recruiting world since 1991. I mean, that would be a huge adjustment for him, and obviously that gets kind of doled out amongst your staff members and whatnot. But um, not to say that he wouldn't be able to do it, but it would just be like he would have a lot to get caught up on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so who do you think you would want if you were Tennessee? Like, like is obviously Gruden, but let's, let's first second, take Gruden off the table. Do you really think Gruden is, is all that likely? I, I kind of don't. Um, I know his wife was a cheerleader there like 30 years ago, but that doesn't really seem like a super strong connection to me. Who, if Gruden was off the table, who would you want to get at Tennessee? Yeah, um, this is kind of like, and I've mentioned this 
um, before, as we've talked about it, like, is there really like a no brainer type hire? I don't know. Maybe you go after a guy like Mike Norvell at Memphis, someone who's doing really well at a smaller school, but also that's what Tennessee didn't really like that they did with Butch Jones, um, you know, not landing some of the bigger candidates. So I don't know. Um, do you give Scott Frost a call? Do you like just put your name out there to every big candidate? Um, really, really interesting to see what John Curry is is doing and who he's reaching out to. I think I would go Dan Mullen. The, the guy does a really nice job at, at Mississippi State with very limited resources there. And he consistently gets quarterbacks to play at a high level, which is something that Tennessee has uh, struggled with for about mm-hmm. the last decade or so. You, you got to think, Butch Jones won, what, eight games a year and was kind of a buffoon on the field? Yeah. Could could Butch Jones win nine games, or could, could Dan Mullen win nine games a year at Tennessee? I, I think he really Absolutely. could. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, Mullen, I, I think, would generally take care of business against the lesser teams in the East and occasionally upset Florida and Georgia, which is kind of what you want the Tennessee coach to do, I think. And that, that seems successful to me. Mm-hmm. You know, occasionally win the East and, and not turn in these really just embarrassing seasons. And Mullen's also better with the media. Right. right. He doesn't say champions of life. He doesn't say we did everything <laughs> we had to do to, except for score points. Or, or He just doesn't do that kind of stuff. And, and you know, I was on the podcast Ain't Played Nobody show with Bill Connolly, one of our Espionation Sister shows, and – I said, look, I think the job was just always a little bit too big for Butch. He just never seemed like like the great fit there. He, right. he nailed a lot of the recruiting stuff, but the mm-hmm. the program management overall seemed to be lacking a little bit. Yeah, and I think that's also, you know, kind of Tennessee's fault. Like, Butch Jones was like their probably third or fourth name on the list. So I think them kind of messing up that hiring, missing on some of the bigger names just kind of, resulted in them settling on him. It made sense on paper. Um, he was really, really successful at Cincinnati, obviously. But, um, yeah, I, I think the Dan Mullen thing is interesting because I think from the Florida perspective, at least at this point, people are kind of under the impression that Dan Mullen doesn't want to leave Starkville. Um, and depending on who Florida ends up with, if Tennessee ends up with Dan Mullen – I think we're going to have some some really, really angry Florida fans on I hand. I think so, too. Is Dan Mullen the, the safest choice? Yes. I, I think so, too. Like, the, the chance that Dan Mullen fails there, or, well, fails to, re, or fails to meet reasonable expectations, I feel like is very low. Now, right. is he going to win a national title at Tennessee? I'm not sure who is. But I do think Mullen represents the, the safest – and best bet if you're Tennessee and your and your your athletic director John Curry. Um, well, and 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 now I'm thinking about it more from Mullen's perspective. Is it that much? I mean, obviously he'd be making more money at Tennessee, but would it be that much of a difference going from Mississippi State and doing what he's done there, consistently winning eight or nine wins? No, he hasn't beaten Alabama, but you know, staying competitive inside the SEC West, wouldn't that kind of be the same thing he's doing at Tennessee? I think it a would. little bit, and the East is easier right now. Right. Granted, Tennessee does have to play Alabama every every year, which right. for them really sucks. But <laughs> so does Mississippi State. Mississippi State has played yeah. Bama, Auburn, That's and LSU point. every year. Would you rather play Bama, Auburn, LSU, or Bama, Florida, Georgia? To me, it's pretty similar. 
you know, there's not a huge gap there. And then you look mm-hmm. at the other um, the other five SEC games you got to play every year. In the West, that's Ole Miss, Arkansas, A&M, uh, and then two from the East. On the other side, it's South Carolina, Kentucky, Vanderbilt, Mizzou. Yeah, that's um, a good point. I'm I'm taking the East because none of those programs are really all that great. Like they're right. kind of somewhere between eh, and decent. Yeah, going a little south though. What do you think about Chip Kelly and UF? Uh, this whole thing has been interesting. Um, and like, you think about the way that coaching rumors and the perspective of things like changes throughout the course of like two days. On Tuesday, it sounded like Florida was going all in on Chip Kelly. At least that was their perception. Um, it's now Thursday, and that's kind of died down a little bit. Um, from like what I've heard, like nothing's really, you know, happened at this point. Um, so I think the timing factor here is really interesting because if the other two candidates on Scott Strickland's list are Scott Frost and Dan Mullen, who are still coaching their teams and and have a couple weeks of games left, you know, do you have to move on to different candidates because you want to hire someone quickly and you don't want to wait until December, which is um, reportably when Scott Frost wants to weigh his options. Uh, you may have to wait, but you know, I uh, I think Chip Kelly could be really good again at, at, at Florida. A lot I of people too. ask, you know, hey, would would he recruit well? And you know, it's not like he didn't recruit well at, at Oregon. He's known mm-hmm. for maybe not liking recruiting all that much, but right. Look, he dealt with Willie Lyles. And we all know that's kind of how the sausage is made, especially in, in some of these, these you know bigger recruiting battles. Now, maybe you shouldn't pay him with a check, right? Uh, in my opinion, that's not really the way to go about that. Read uh, Stephen Godfrey's The Bagman; that's a much better uh, way to do that. Um, but like, I think he would assemble a good staff of recruiters, and you know, this is kind of what we said about about McElwain, and, and he didn't do it, right? Um, you know, t- until it was too late. Like, I think his staff that he has now is good. Or that he had was good recruiters, but the first half was not. And and Chip just man, he scores points every single where or every single place he goes. Yeah, and I wrote about like. this right, and I wrote about this a little bit um, earlier in the week. The situation of him going to the NFL and failing just because of his background and his offensive philosophy, it really kind of reminded me of Steve Spurrier, um, like how he jumped to the Redskins. On paper, it was supposed to work out and and translate great to the NFL, but it didn't. So he went back to college and did amazing things at South Carolina that had never been done there before. I think it's a similar situation. I had a lot of people throwing out Nick Saban's name as well, but I just feel like that's a little bit of a different situation because, as Miami Dolphins fans would argue, um, I I don't know if Nick Saban was planning on sticking around there for for quite some time. Um, So... That to me is just, I think there's some hesitancy there because of how badly he did in the NFL with the 49ers and the Eagles. But um, you're right. I mean, he's, he's able to recruit. Um, his offensive philosophy is just what Florida fans are looking for. Um, so at this point, to me, he would be like the quote-unquote home run hire. Uh, absolutely. The one thing, too, is like we see all these rumors, okay, is Florida meeting with Chip Kelly. Maybe they are, uh-huh. maybe they're not. And You know who, who Chip Kelly hired at Oregon? Scott Frost. 
Yeah. Like, there's also the chance that, that they're meeting with Chip Kelly to discuss Scott Frost. Right. Like, I, I want to talk to the guy's former boss. Absolutely. Yeah. I, want, I want to see, hey, you know, how similar are your philosophies? What do you think about this guy? What, what did you think when you hired him? What, what have you seen out of him now? I mean, Chip's got all the time in the world. He's working for ESPN and not doing a whole <laughs> lot. Uh, I mean, I think he would be a home run hire. But he's also a guy who I think likes to be sort of anonymous, right? That's mm-hmm. why, you know, he fits in in a bigger city where, like, if, if, if he's coaching in L.A. or something. He can go. Right. You know, Chip can go out to dinner, and not be be pestered. He can't do that in Gainesville, or in Knoxville, or in any number of these cities where, not only is it the biggest show in town, but it, it's pretty literally the only show in town. Um, that's I don't know how well he fits culturally down there. Um, he's a little bit different personality than like like a Meyer or, or a Spurrier, and right. he doesn't want to deal with boosters and stuff allegedly. So. That's something that I don't have to know deal how, with those at Florida. You know any bull who, who, Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah, so my like half my mom's family are are bull gators, So yes, <laughs> and they want to feel important. They want they want you to tell them how much you appreciate that money they gave, and they want a couple minutes with you. Mm-hmm. And those minutes add up because they all want it. And look, they should. They're they're giving their money. Uh, but I don't know if Chip wants that. I, could Scott deal with that? Maybe a little bit better. But he's also never been in a situation where he had to. He's never been right. At a major program, and UCF may may have some whales that he has to talk to, but not not that many. Yeah, no, I think that's fair, and I think from Scott Frost's perspective, like he know he would know that's what he's getting into if he does take the Florida job. Exactly. That, that's that's what I'm what I'm feeling too. Um, what am I say? You want to move to uh, re- real quickly here, more I, I want to throw out a question for you. Before we get to you know who's going to visit this weekend, what team would you least likely would you least like to play in the playoff? Like if I was a head coach. Yeah, like let's say. All right, yeah, let, let's let's play a lot like we're different head coaches. Uh, pick a team that you think is going to the playoff, and then pick you know, and then say, okay, I, I feel like I don't want to play this squad. Hmm. Um. Like, okay, so let's go to off the playoff rankings now. Sure. Then you're saying? Okay. Uh, definitely Miami, <laughs> by far. I I think I think my answer is is probably Oklahoma. Like, that's the one team I don't want to play. Because in looking at this, and I was I was discussing this on the Nolcast with, with, with my co-host over there when we were talking about quarterback recruiting. Alabama doesn't throw the ball very well. Miami doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, Georgia doesn't. Auburn doesn't. Notre Dame doesn't. Wisconsin certainly does not. Clemson doesn't. Mm-hmm. I mean, Bryant's their their leading rusher on the year in, mm-hmm. in Clemson, and he missed a game. The only team that really I feel like can score in like the high forties in a game if they needed to is Oklahoma, and I know their defense isn't great, right? But just from a pure like shootout potential perspective. I think Oklahoma is really scary. Um, you know, we, we've seen them. You know, uh, this is something that kind of struck me when the committee was talking the other night. They said you know, that Oklahoma's defense concerns them, but they they've already played two elite defenses. It's not like the, like they've run into the Big Twelve and haven't played any. They went to Ohio State and ripped them, and then they they put what thirty eight or forty on on TCU. Like we've seen hey. them do it against. Defenses that are as good or better than a lot of them we'll see in the playoff. Yeah, that's a good point. 
I don't know. It's just kind of a weird year where, where you only have one one team mm-hmm. left in contention that actually throws the ball at, at a high level. Everybody else is kind of somewhere between like yeah and and decent, you know. Yeah. Um, well, and the, on the offensive side, obviously Miami's defense will give you handfuls. Um, but I feel like Miami's done a really good job, and especially as they go later in the season, of hitting like really, really big momentum-shifting plays on offense. Um, and, and I think that's Rogier getting a lot more comfortable um, with this offense, and his offensive line has held up a lot better the last few weeks. So for now, I mean, especially like if the playoff was happening on Saturday, Miami coming off of that win – 41 to eight against the number three team in the country. I, I don't want to touch that. No, they, they are rolling and, and you don't want to, you don't want to bet against a streak. Um, Morgan, speaking of rolling, we got a couple teams here that are, are doing pretty well on, on the recruiting trail and, and they're hosting some big visitors this weekend. Uh, Louisville is going to host Alante Taylor, who's a recent Tennessee decommit and also Jatavius Harris, uh, who is, uh, I believe also a recent decommit. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's one to watch there. Uh, one thing with the Alante Taylor situation, he was being recruited by Tennessee to play receiver. Now, a lot of programs, uh, you know, thought that he was going to play uh, play receiver. Alabama actually likes him at DB. Louisville, where he's visiting this weekend, is actually planning to play him at quarterback. They're kind of using the Lamar Jackson play on him. Hey, we know a lot of people have said maybe you can play some quarterback. We want you as a quarterback. So we'll have to see if that works on him, but. Yeah, I, I don't see uh, I don't see Taylor signing with Tennessee at this point, and that that'll be a really interesting battle down the stretch where a lot of people seem to like Georgia there, maybe a couple of Notre Dame, uh, but but Louisville's going to get their shot this weekend. Um, speaking of this weekend, on a related note, if I were a recruit, maybe this would actually be better as a hosting weekend. Now that I'm thinking about it, like. If you all aren't aware, the Week 12 slate of games are terrible. So, at least from a recruiting perspective, all these teams hosting these kids are going to win. So, that's a positive. But it's not like the stadiums are going to be like Auburn and Miami were this past weekend. No, this this weekend is terrible. I, I, I'm i not going to lie. I'm probably not going to watch any games this weekend. Like, there's any not game. a single game that – well. I may just take the weekend off. So we didn't get a we didn't get a bye week. We, we, you know, I also run the Tomahawk Nation site, and uh, and so I really haven't had a, a free weekend where I didn't have to do any Florida State stuff, right, or any kind of high school stuff because some high schools play on Saturdays as well. Uh, you know, last weekend I was at IMG uh, for their final game, but I don't think there's one game that I really feel like I need to uh, um, that I need to to DVR this weekend. Like Michigan, Wisconsin, maybe, but. And yeah, the one meaningful Wisconsin not. game is going to happen in two weeks anyway. Anyone listening, just do anything else but watch football this weekend because it's going to be ugly. Gotcha. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's for sure. Um, Ohio State hosting Jaron Williams, who's a, a dual-threat quarterback we, we talked about earlier. He went to Miami uh, last weekend. I know Auburn's trying to get him back on campus, and uh, we'll have to see there. That looks like a three-team race. Uh, Ohio State, who actually has a quarterback commit, Emory Jones, but as we wrote about in our uh, our QB Dominoes piece, Morgan, they've actually offered Williams because they are worried that Emory Jones could flip to Alabama. Uh, and they're also hosting Tyler Friday, who's one of the, the fastest rising recruits in the nation. That's a name to know, folks. Tyler Friday, defensive tackle out of New Jersey, who's really shooting up recruiting boards and um, 
making an impression on college coaches. Yeah, um, big week. Interesting, especially on the Ohio State end. Um, Emory Jones, I'm assuming he'll visit Alabama, I'm guessing, in the next couple weeks maybe. Uh, yeah, I, I think he probably will. You know, Morgan, speaking of Notre Dame, uh, they're actually hosting Peyton Wilson, who's one of the top linebackers in the country out of North Carolina, currently committed to North Carolina, but UNC is not having the best season. Notre Dame, obviously a very good academic institution as well, and, and the Irish are going to take their shot and see if they can uh, see if they can land Wilson. Yeah, um, certainly. I think this time of year is really interesting because we're like basically a month out from that early signing period. So um, it's kind of like last minute visits here for some of these kids, depending on when they sign. Yeah, I mean, there's that's going to be greatly impacting what happens here is the early signing day and, and the early signing period. Um, and you're going to have some kids who just don't, uh, you know, um, who don't know what they're doing really and they sign and then they're going to regret it, but we'll have to see how that works out. Penn State as well. Uh, Jason Owe, big big time defensive end, and Solomon Ennis, big time receiver, uh, both visiting the Nittany Lions. Um, and then here's something here. One of my favorite kids uh, in the cycle visiting Oregon, uh, Michael Azike, big big kid from a uh, you know Nigerian background and, and a soccer player growing up. He's a uh, he's a physical beast and and was a receiver. Now he's grown into a tight end. They also have running back Deshaun Corbin visiting, and, and I got to tell you, Oregon just doing a tremendous job under Willie Taggart recruiting. I mean, uh, M- Michael's from uh, from Los Angeles, and Corbin's mm-hmm. from uh, from Florida, and just doing a great job there. Yeah, I think one of the more intriguing things about that Taggart hire um, was his connections to Florida, to where you know he still has a lot of connections there, and now he's he's not only doing that. You know, in the West Coast, obviously, with California and Oregon and the Pacific Northwest, but he can, you know, land some guys from Florida as well. Oh, no doubt. I mean, he's got several top kids from Florida. I know he, you know, he beat out Florida State for uh, for Warren Thompson, which isn't much mm-hmm. a surprise because Florida State's Tampa recruiter is not very good at recruiting Tampa or recruiting receivers. Um, but uh, able to pull him out of out of Armwood and uh, just does a great job there. And and we got. Some more big visits coming up. This is kind of weird. It's like a, a better it's a better visit weekend than it is an actual football <laughs> yeah. weekend, like you said. Uh, Washington hosting Brian Addison, who I think is one of the top safeties in the country, a real uh, you know, Ed Reed type, long ball hawk, not the biggest hitter necessarily, but also has the ability to play some wide receiver, like him a lot. Uh, and then also USC, two four-star defensive tackles from Missouri, Michael Thompson and Trevor huh. Trout, both visiting the Trojans. That would be quite the if, if USC was able to pull that off, uh, then, then they would shoot up, and their their class is certainly already good. But it, it could go from good to great. And Morgan, do you know the last time a Pac-12 team not named USC won a national title? Uh, <laughs> I think it was I think it was before you were born. So I'm, uh, you have an excuse. Are you? Was it Washington? Yeah, Washington in nineteen what ninety one. I was not born yet. <laughs> when they, when they tied with Georgia Tech, they, they had that split title. Um, or did they tie with Miami and then Colorado tied with Georgia? They Tech. tied with Miami that year. That's right. Okay, and then Colorado tied with Georgia Tech uh, shortly thereafter. Um, so that there's a reason for that actually, and I think the reason is that USC is the only school that really is able to just 
stack the stars on top of the stars in, in their classes and get enough talent, especially on the defensive side of the ball, uh, to get over that hump. You know, Oregon's trying to get there. Washington's trying to get there. Stanford, you know, get some really high-quality kids, but they don't necessarily get enough of them. USC's the one school that seems to be able to do it. And, and this weekend, if you can get Trout and Thompson, or even one of them, that'd be incredible for them. They, they already have a really nice defensive line um, you know, group lined up, and, and they're you – know, I know Jackson Carmen, one of the best offensive linemen in the country, is going to visit them as well uh, in, in December. So that could be really good for the Trojans. And, and this defensive class they have – they're put together. I mean, uh, you know, Pelea uh, Gote is – I always butcher his name, but he, he's a beast out, out of Bishop Gorman. I mean, number one linebacker in the country. Raymond Scott, who's a national top 100 type. Um, you know, they have uh, Thule – I'm going to butcher his name too. I'm so bad at these some of these uh, Samoan names. Uh, or or uh, you know, uh, Le Letu Letu Ligaciona Tuli Letu Ligaciona. Pretty good, man. That, that's that's going to be really tough. He's a t- top 150 kid at defensive tackle. Bo Calvert is a top 200 kid at outside linebacker. Marcus Johnson's a pretty good corner they like, who's just outside the top 300. They got another backer in uh, Kanai Moaga out of Hawaii, who's a top you know 400-type kid. The only position they're really missing is defensive line. If they get those kids lined up, that, that defensive class for USC is going to be you know, one of the best in the entire country. That, that'll be really interesting to watch. Yeah, I feel like the way USC is recruited – in recent years with respect to the rest of the Pac-12 is kind of like a lesser version of Alabama, the way that they out-recruit the SEC every year. Yes, exactly right. I think that is that is so true. Um, and maybe the way that we're starting to see Texas and Oklahoma recruit relative mm-hmm. to the rest of the Big 12. Yeah, absolutely. Morgan, we got one more thing we got to talk about today, and this is really interesting now. Um Hot seat. We don't normally have a whole lot of hot seat news, but this week we have a, a good bit because Arkansas kind of did this in reverse. Instead of firing Brett Bielema, they went and fired the athletic director, who was pretty well respected uh, by most people, and he's done so. And that's probably not good news for our, our, our man Burt, uh, who is 11 and 19 in his last 30 SEC games. Oh. I, I feel like you read that record like every week and it just sounds even more terrible with every loss. I actually have um, a chance to watch them in person or not in person, but like actually sit down and watch them exclusively <laughs> this last weekend. Um, and it was the one game that I watched at my house before I went to IMG. And I, was, I hadn't watched an Arkansas game all the way through this year. Arkansas is terrible. <laughs> I mean, like they are just unwatchable. And look, it's not that LSU is super smooth and and operating li- li- like a, a juggernaut, but they made LSU look like world beers. I mean, that was that was just I don't know what the heck Arkansas is doing. They don't stop the run at all. They're not physical. Like all the things that Bielema purports to do, they don't actually do. Yeah, and um, Arkansas is hosting Mississippi State this weekend. I could see that, like, resulting in – well, okay, here's the thing, though. At this point, who's firing Brett Bielema? The school? I I guess the boosters. Yeah. Jerry Jones, we need you. <laughs> yeah. I'm, uh, seriously, it's – I mean – I mean, I could see Arkansas getting, like, 
terribly blown out this weekend, which is why I brought that up. Oh, yeah. Uh, they, they really could, could get hammered. Now, I wonder if Mississippi State will have a bit of a hangover game, you know, coming off the Alabama loss and, um, you know, with, with Ole Miss on deck. You know, there's sort of a sandwich spot here, but but still, uh, Arkansas can't be in a good place. And, and that Bielema, I think Bielema's going to get fired. I, I think those boosters will, will end up getting getting that done. And you know, there's an interesting report today from Bruce Feldman. I don't know mm-hmm. if you saw that or not. The, uh, uh, Here's what Feldman tweeted, Bruce Feldman of Sports Illustrated and, and Fox. have heard there's been lots of push among Arkansas Board of Trustee folks among, on the head coaching front. Some big money people driving for Gus Malzahn. <laughs> Pretty messy there, and Jeff Long got swept uh, under in it. If <sighs> Gus Malzahn tells Auburn Peace to go to Arkansas he, for he a fresh start, that. he <laughs> could, though. I mean, you're leaving one brand of crazy for another. If he, But if he beats Alabama... You win the West, and then you have the SEC title game against Georgia and with a shot at the playoff. I think, that, yeah, if he beats Alabama, I don't think there's any way he can leave, right? Because then the, you're, you're leaving a 10-2 and Auburn team with a shot at the playoff? No, that's yeah. that's not going to happen. Unless you decide to do it after the year or some, some craziness. But And, uh, yeah, and it, it depends on what type of money <laughs> he's getting offered. Yeah, I mean, look, Walmart, Walmart's a booster. Jerry Jones is a booster. Uh, I think some – like very popular, uh, isn't Tyson Foods or or something up there a, a booster? I believe so. That could be uh, that could be really interesting to watch there. Um, but I, I think Bielema is gone. So that Morgan, that'll be the fourth job open in the SEC, uh, joining Florida, Tennessee, and Ole Miss. We predicted that half or more of the SEC jobs would open before the 2019 season. We are halfway there, assuming Bielema's done. Yeah, we That's should get a- like an award. We really should. I mean, if if Tennessee or Florida take take Dan Mullen, that gets us to five. How do we get how do we get to uh, six, seven, and eight? Oh, Texas A and M, which I still think that someone's going to be out there. That's six, and then we need two more. If if Gus goes to Arkansas, that's seven, because that means all all we need to be hiring a coach, right? And then maybe Mark Stoops gets hired away somewhere, or I don't know. But that could be really interesting. Yeah, I think I don't know how likely the Stoops thing is now, uh, but there's a chance depending on you know what opens up and and whatnot at the end of the season. But uh, we're we're close. We're close to seven. What if Nebraska strikes out on Scott Frost? Like, do they talk to Mark Stoops because Stoops is? It's from Ohio. He recruits Ohio. That's a very important recruiting territory for Nebraska now because Nebraska doesn't is not able to recruit Texas as well since they're in the Big Ten. I, or does that sound to you way too much like Bo Pelini's profile, a defensive head coach from Ohio? <laughs> yeah. No, that's a good point. And I would think that Nebraska has like more high-profile names than Mark Stoops that they'd reach out to. But they almost have to. Me. I, I think I think they almost have to. Morgan, I, I think you know we're we're discussing the Nebraska job, but Mike Riley has not been fired yet. Now I' a little bit surprised by this, but this weekend they go to Penn State. Penn State's a team really capable of putting it on them. So I kind of got to think mm, this this could be the weekend. Yeah, and on Monday, um, I don't know if you saw, but Mike Riley literally pulled a Butch Jones um, and said that 
uh, our team has had very few issues, issues, quote, besides the games. <laughs> so. <laughs> that is literally the most important issue for the head coach. Exactly. The, the, the game. That's, that's, your, uh, what, that's your number one job is to win games. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, also, the, the the other I guess the jobs we're we're watching. Usually, uh, Texas Tech got that win over Baylor, by the way. So Coach Ray Bands is probably safe. Um, UCLA and Arizona State are still the two that I think you need to watch out west. But both Todd Graham and uh, Jim Mora have big time buyouts. So I don't know if those programs want to pay those buyouts. If, if you're UCLA, I don't see how you can't because things don't seem to be going in the right direction there. With, with Arizona State, maybe you you let Todd Graham stick around. Uh, one additional year, but that's that's going to be fascinating. Yeah, I would say Graham is probably okay at this point. I know um, UCLA fans still aren't happy with Jim Mora, even though UCLA won over the weekend. But um, I think I'm I'm more watching UCLA at this point, um, just because no one's happy with Jim Mora so far. So um, could could see them pulling the trigger and making a change. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Um, I think that's it for this week. I uh, hope everybody has a great uh, great weekend, and we'll join you. I think we're going to record next Tuesday, so we can put it out on Wednesday uh, so everybody can have it for all their Thanksgiving and holiday travel. Um, as always, five stars on iTunes. I think we got one new five-star review, so that's great. Uh, we want to get those up and, and get as many as you can. So if you enjoyed the show, just you know, hey, hit five stars. It helps us out. It helps us uh, gain more listeners and the advertisers if we ever get some. I uh, do seem to like that a lot, and, uh, and make sure you tell your friends and, and share on social media. Uh, but, Morgan, we before we go, I think we have a couple questions to get you, don't we? Um, we do. One of them, um, and, and next week we'll coordinate this and send this out like in the morning and not in the afternoon um, like I did. One of them from Dane Young, one of my good friends who used to cover Georgia, all he asks is, Gruden, in all caps, question mark, exclamation point. Um, so I think we covered that. And our answer is yes. We want John yes. Gruden in Tennessee because that, that is endless headlines and headlines. <laughs> in mind. Um, this next question from Josh Turner, um, actually really interesting and like a good point that he brings up. Um, he says, if UF goes with a spread coach, is it a good idea to try and keep a highly rated class together, but who were intended to go to a pro system or should they go for fit right off the bat? Um, well, yeah, I'll let you go ahead. That, that's an interesting question. You're, you're right. I, first of all, half of the question or half of the class is irrelevant because it's on defense. Right. And most people run a pretty similar defensive scheme. Like there's not mm -hmm. a whole lot of differences in that. You just want guys who are, are big and fast and, and will play hard for you. Yeah. And can play discipline. Like that's kind of what you need at the college level. There's not like the variations you're playing in defense just aren't that great. Uh, but on offense, yeah, it, it's a good question, but Florida has a one tight end in the class. It, it's it's Kyle Pitts. Uh, he's a guy who I think could play in the spread, uh, assuming they want to use a tight end. It's not like you're taking a bunch of fullbacks. Right. Um, you know, their quarterback, Matt Corral, is a guy who I think is, is athletic enough to play in a, a spread, assuming you don't want to run him a ton. I mean, he's, he's maybe not right. like, you know, uh, he's not Marcus Mariota uh, athletic, but Mm -hmm. Chip Kelly has shown that he's a, you know, he's the guy that wanted Sam Bradford with the Eagles, and, and you know, it didn't work out amazingly. Um, I think he could adapt to that. 
you know, your running backs in the class, Damian Pierce and uh, uh, Iverson Clement, are both kids who I think could definitely work in a spread. And your receivers, I mean, Jacob Copeland's a physical guy. Like we, we like to have physical receivers in the spread right. for sure. I think most of this class could could fit into the spread uh, pretty well. Now you may want to you know take another receiver or two in in the class certainly. Um, you know, and if you're recruiting a fullback or something or an extra tight end, maybe you drop them. The one thing is Corral uh, looks like he may be taking a visit to Alabama this weekend. So that's certainly a thing to keep an eye on because he's been extremely vocal for the Gators on mm-hmm. Twitter recruiting for them. But now maybe maybe trying to sneak in under the radar and, and go see Tuscaloosa. Yeah, and I mean you can't blame him when he committed to presumably you know a lot of these kids commit to schools rather than coaches. Uh, but sometimes it goes hand in hand. So, you know, can't blame him from looking at other options. I think he's obviously waiting to see who they hire. But I think to Josh's question, to go back to that, I mean, as I've, we've talked about before, like when you hire a new head coach, that class is going to be really transitional. And mostly, most of the time, you'll keep whoever you have already committed. Um, and, and then that next year, is when you really start zeroing in on the kids that will fit specifically with your scheme and the type of system that you want to run. Absolutely. So that, that, that's uh, that's a great question, and, and you, Morgan, you hit that on the head. So let's uh, let's keep questions coming for next week for sure, and we'll uh, we'll try to answer some more and, and like having some listener feedback and uh, listener input on the show. Uh, until then, uh, you know, have a great weekend.